Hello and welcome. You're listening to Epic Podcast, Emergency Preparedness in Canada. My name's Joshua, and Grayson is busy working in an EOC right now. And this is EP Week 2020, episode number five, Getting to Know Disaster and Geos. In this episode, we're reaching back into our epic archives to review the important and evolving relationships between municipalities and NGOs in Canada. We'll be speaking with Steve Elliott of Samaritan's Purse Canada, who also heads the NGO Alliance of Ontario. We'll cover how to collaborate and leverage volunteer networks within smaller municipalities. All this and more on this episode of Epic Podcast, Current Relevant Canadian. Well, happy Emergency Preparedness Week again to everyone. Uh, as you'll notice, I'm flying solo today, as I mentioned, because Grayson is busy working in an EOC, and unfortunately, podcasting was not one of his smart objectives for the day. I'm also uh, personally post-night shift, having worked in the ICU, but as they say in show business, the show must go on, and we didn't want to miss even a single day of our EP Week celebrations. So we're going to do something a little bit different with a short throwback episode with a conversation I had with Steve Elliott at DemCon about a year and a half ago. This was recorded live at the conference, uh, which you'll hear in the background, right after Steve gave a great talk on the emerging collaborations between NGOs and government. Steve, so do you mind just uh, introducing yourself and uh, a little bit about your background, please? You bet. Uh, my name is Steve Elliott. I'm the Disaster Response Coordinator for Samaritan's First Canada. My responsibilities uh, cover uh, Ontario eastward to Newfoundland and Labrador. That's a big, uh, big swath. It is. And... Uh, there's unfortunately a lot of disasters happening more regularly across this uh, country, and uh, so our organization uh, and uh, any disasters that happen in Ontario will be involving Samaritan's First Canada and the NGO Alliance. Excellent. Well, it was a pleasure um, listening to your talk today at DEMCON. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're speaking about? Sure. Uh, it's been recognized uh, not just in Ontario, but in other provinces, the need to to organize the, uh, the non-governmental organizations uh, in such a way that they can effectively and efficiently respond to disasters uh, in aid of the jurisdictions that have been impacted. And although individually, individually some of the uh, NGOs have been able to respond and do it very well, uh, for the large disasters which will break the back of a jurisdiction, um, the Alliance uh, has been promoting the idea that if they can organize themselves, can collaborate and cooperate together themselves and present a common operating picture to the municipalities ahead of time, the municipalities will seize upon us as a, as a valued asset and not something else they have to worry about. Excellent. And is this similar at all to in the U.S.? They've got the National Volunteer um, Agencies Active in Disaster. Uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce that oh acronym. And yeah, is it, is it a similar idea to that? It, it is. Uh, VOAD is obviously have a lot more uh, groups involved with it, and they've been around a lot longer. Uh, that being said, uh, it's basically the same sort of mandate. Uh, we recognize, especially in Ontario, that's, that we have to become more diverse as an alliance. Uh, we recognize, especially uh, in the greater Golden Horseshoe area, uh, we have to involve the Islamic Disaster Relief Organization. We have to involve the, the Jewish Disaster Relief Organization. And um, we're reaching out to them. Uh, that being said, we also have had indications from the large uh, national-based community groups like the Lions Club yep. uh, have indicated a desire to learn more about us. 
And all this obviously will will make us uh, a lot more of a valued entity in the eyes of the jurisdictions that have been impacted. Uh, if we can take that sort of volunteer coordination angst out of the hands of the of the municipalities because they don't have the ability to uh, deal with it. If we can do it for them and, and come in structured and organized and prepared to help them, uh, they'll see us as a player. Excellent. And, and I'm, I think most practicing emergency managers see the value, certainly, of NGOs. And if you've been involved in any actual deployments, you've worked alongside NGOs. But what is the, um, the value of having NGOs up front in the planning process ahead it, of the disaster? Yeah, it, it's... It's something that a lot of municipalities, I think, are probably still grappling with. The larger municipalities that have involved us understand now why it's so important. Um, there's still a mindset, and I can't speak to other provinces, but in Ontario, there's still a mindset that that you can translate emergency services into disaster response. And, and um, I understand the, the reasons why that's still the, the thought process, but the simple, simple fact of the matter is is that you can't scale an emergency response to a disaster response. And if they do, if you try to do that, even invoking uh, any agreements like mutual aid uh, in place that you currently have, won't work. And so you have to think ahead of time and think, okay, worst case scenario, if I'm sitting at the municipal table saying, if we lose everything, who do we involve? And the alliance should be part of that tool belt. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of options available for a municipality to, to uh, think about this if they sat down and, and try to think of the worst case. But uh, the Alliance can be one of the tools in their belt, and they should be able to capitalize. And if they, if they don't know anything about us, then all means they can, they can get hold of me, they can get hold of anyone on the Alliance, yeah. and we'd be happy to sit down and, and talk to them about what we can do. Oh, excellent. And I think that's a really powerful concept. So the way that you plan for and respond to a big emergency is different than a disaster. The things that work in an emergency are broken in a disaster, and that's why what makes a disaster a totally different entity. Yeah, that's a, that's a great concept. Yeah, it, it's, uh, there's very few municipalities that uh, have had their systems fractured. Mm-hmm. Um, if we if we have another regional disaster like we had many years ago in this province, um, the, everything that the municipalities have done up at this point will probably be laid bare. And um, you just can't say, well, I've checked off the boxes of the legislation. I we're, we're compliant. Mm-hmm. I'd be a shock for the emergency managers to, to hear, but but the fact is, if you checked off the boxes, it doesn't mean you're prepared. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Checklist uh, uh, compliance is, I think, a dangerous trap that we can fall into. And uh, as we were talking, speaking earlier at lunch, the, the only thing worse than preparedness is the illusion of preparedness. And sometimes when you've got those check boxes, uh, uh, it's easy to think that you're prepared when you're not. Well, and you know, and I recognize, you know, the elected officials in every jurisdiction they they don't want to tell their electorate that that they won't be able to be looked after. Uh, it's not good for re-election. It's not good for optics. Uh, but the simple fact of the matter is, um, uh, the municipality's responsibility is the critical infrastructure and the most vulnerable. Uh, someone living at the end of a cul-de-sac is not going to get help from from the municipality for days or weeks. And so, you you know, I mean, there are groups out there. If, if the neighbor can't help you or they haven't been educated that neighbors are really the first responder mm-hmm. and the 
the emergency services are the official responders, um, then the Alliance can help fill that gap. The, the Alliance has access to literally thousands of volunteers, um, which can be activated and can, be and can be deployed. And if we can offer that to the municipality saying, we'll look after everything ourselves, mm -hmm. we'll just keep you informed about what we can do for you and what we are doing to help you, um, that's a big load off their, their minds. And it speaks to the, I think, the trend we're seeing away from the top-down emergency management and more to supporting an organic community-based uh, response. I think most people, when they think about NGOs, they think about, you know, the common, the, the mass sheltering operations and mass feeding and some of the ESS functions. But it seems like um, NGOs are really taking on more diverse roles in disasters. Can you maybe speak to some of uh, the different skill sets that the uh, member agencies can, can offer? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, the Angel Alliance is made up of uh, nine organizations right now, and we, we look after everything from animal care to debris cleanup and management. Uh, we even do volunteer management. We do psychosocial support, uh, medical support. Uh, the uh, Of course, the typical, uh, the main uh, areas that a lot of people think about, food and sheltering, we do that. Um, but what what is one of the intangibles is the is the skill sets that exist in every one of our organizations and and uh even to take that farther is that if the emergency managers begun begin doing this um this activity of identifying their skill sets in the municipality they'll come to realize that the community groups the the faith-based organizations have a myriad of of skill sets that up until the time they found out about it had gone undisclosed. And a lot of these organizations um, probably don't know how to reach out to a community, so they're waiting for the community to re reach out to them and begin that dialogue. Um, if, there's, if there's one thing I've learned uh, working with Samaritan's First Canada is that, is that every, every church that we are engaged with across this country, uh, whether it's a congregation of 50 or a congregation of 5,000, they have everything that the community needs to recover right? in that one church, let alone dozens of churches. And, and it's a, such a great way to access those networks that you might not be able to, to be keyed in with otherwise. Yeah, it's, it, it's something that, that, you know, we can, we offer to do, and we, we did that in New Brunswick for the, for the flooding this past spring. When we engaged the, uh, the recovery manager and her department in Fredericton, uh, we told them that we'd be getting all the churches in the whole region together mm -hmm. and we'd brief them ourselves of what was going on. And they were just very thankful for that because they couldn't even begin to do that. Right. So we organized all that. We, 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 acted, we, we accessed all the denominations in the, in the uh, St. John River Valley there. And we brought them all together into one location for, for a workshop. Fantastic. And, and they all, by that simple act, you were then accessing probably up to 5,000 people. That sounds like a, a big success. Yeah. I understand you developed a handbook. We did. Uh, the Angel Alliance handbook um, is, uh, I, I, we can't take credit for being it from, uh, created from scratch. We looked at what other provinces had done and we said, well, let's see if we, we can improve it. And uh, so what came out of it was the, uh, a modified version of the Alberta Council uh, NGO handbook. Uh, we de-engineered it and um, figured that it's much better to uh, sort the book by function and not by, by alliance member. And uh, it seems to work very well. And, and uh, we've made it available to every community across, across this province. 
Uh, luckily, through the uh, relationship we have with the province's uh, emergency management agency, uh, the, we, they have a, a liaison officer that sits, sits with us, and she's been able to open that door and allow us to access their CMC database to distribute our information. Uh, you know, it's still a it's still a bit of a an issue because uh, the the hard copy of the handbook tends to migrate when the CMC leaves that post. Uh, I'd much I, I encourage every every municipality that we engage with to uh, place a digital copy on their on their organization server. Yeah under external partners or under the recovery annex of their plan, however they like to do it. So it's always there. And uh, any any updated copies, we hope to be able to uh, have, our, have our website up and running uh, shortly. And um, when that when they when the dark site goes live, then all the CMCs across the province and all the other agencies, boards, and commissions who may be interested in us will be able to access the most current versions. Excellent. And since we have listeners uh, kind of coast to coast, what is the state of uh, uh, NGO alliances across the country right now? So you mentioned Alberta has a, a similar right. group, but uh, maybe you can start uh, west and work east. How sure. are things looking? In British Columbia, there's the Integrated Disaster Council of British Columbia. In Alberta, there's the NGO Council. Uh, Saskatchewan doesn't have uh, uh, a group. They have an Emergency Planners Association, but nothing. Yeah, but, yeah but nothing really resembles uh, the, the the alliance here in Ontario. Uh, Manitoba has the Partners in Disaster, which has a lot of the same sort of NGO groups that we have uh, in Ontario. We have the the NGO Alliance. And that's about it. There's nothing much farther east uh, yet. That being said, um, I know there's interest from the maritime uh, uh, EMOs as well as the Newfoundland EMO about what's happened here and what is what's happening out west, uh, and also what's come about from a result of uh, the recognition that we should have a, a federal visibility through the Canadian Consortium of Emergency Management NGOs. So I think that that could be a trigger for the maritime provinces to to consider, okay, well, you know, maybe we should try to get something or at least encourage something to happen yeah. out here. And we're, we're hopeful that, uh, you know, if they need any help, I'm happy to. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for, for everything you do and for the great talk you gave today. Um, where can people find out more information? Um, right now, I'd just say uh, probably contact me through the Spirits Purse Canada. And uh, we can keep you apprised of any information uh, through the email. If they need to contact any one of our member, uh, if they want to get a copy of the handbook, of course, just just email me. I'd be happy to send uh, send them one. Um, if they want to reach out to any one of the members, we're happy to connect them uh, with their other numbers, not the numbers in the handbook. And uh, we'd be happy to encourage that 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 dialogue to take place. Excellent. Thanks so much for speaking with us. My pleasure. Well, as you heard, one of Steve's most important points was that a disaster is not just a big emergency. And the way we have to scale up and respond to disasters versus emergencies is quite different. I often like to use a fire service analogy, since most people have heard about the idea of a one, three, or even five alarm fire. The way a traditional fire department scales up to a big event is by moving through these stages sequentially, and each alarm typically means doubling resources, so double the amount of fire trucks or firefighters. It's a linear response that works well for known hazards with predictable consequences. There's a problem of too much fire and not enough water or manpower, but the solution to the problem is known. In disasters, though, there's either no water, 
the fire station has collapsed, or all the firefighters are off work sick. Normal compensatory escalations don't work. And we're seeing this currently with the global uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Society is completely reorganizing itself and adapting its responses. And those organizations that either can't or won't will fail. Thankfully, NGOs offer us a solution to these situations with an immense pool of surge capacity and increasingly robust capabilities. They're being deployed to take on new and essential non-traditional roles, not just in the realm of social services that we've come to expect. While most major municipalities will already have a productive relationship and agreements with their local NGOs, this can be hard to replicate in smaller or understaffed EMOs. I've spoken personally with emergency managers across the country that work either in a part-time capacity or they are the sole director of their emergency management agency, and that's it. There's no other support staff. This is where NGO councils can be really helpful. They can standardize service agreements, act as a force multiplier for relationship management, and be a clearinghouse during actual deployments for resources, especially during events where multiple municipalities are impacted simultaneously, as is so often the case. Back in January of 2019, 14 national NGOs formalized their terms of reference for the Emergency Management NGO Consortium of Canada, or EMNCC. There are also provincial counterparts in most provinces. This was done in context of Canada's disaster risk reduction platform, which called for improved relationships between national, volunteer, and humanitarian groups. And if you're looking for specific ideas on how you can collaborate with NGOs, have a look at the Ontario NGO Handbook, which outlines the capabilities of multiple groups, such as Mennonite Disaster Services, Canadian Red Cross, SPCA, and Team Rubicon, for example. It includes mission-specific guidance for everything from debris management and medical response to psychological first aid services and transitioning to recovery. Most provinces now have a similar handbook, and if yours doesn't, that sounds like a great project for you to get started on. That's all for this episode of Epic Podcast, a special throwback episode. A big thanks to Steve Elliott for taking the time to chat about his important work with the NGO Alliance. If you'd like to find out more about their work, visit our OAEM friends, the Ontario Association of Emergency Managers, over at their website, oaem.ca, and just click on the NGO section. And if you want to send your support or encouragement to other emergency managers across the country, why not record us a quick voice memo on your phone and then email it to us at team at epicpodcast.ca. You'll be entered to win an epic prize and we'll include you on a future show. Just before we go, I do want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Uh, This episode was brought to you in part by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot has launched a service to answer questions about Edmonton's response to the COVID-19 pandemic and our experience of it. The idea is to help you understand the complex and quickly evolving topic with succinct, well-sourced answers to any questions you might have. Find the COVID-19 microsite at taprootedmonton.ca. That's taprootedmonton.ca. This episode is also brought to you in part by the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, which we are a proud member of. If you like podcasts, which I'm assuming you do, check out the APN podcast, Read Along, and they've prepared a short clip for you to listen to, which we'll play right now. You know, I love books, and I would like to join a book club, but uh, it seems like such a big commitment. 
Why is that? Reading a whole book in a month. That takes a lot of time. Well, what if it was only one chapter, say, a week? Organizing to meet up with people is a lot of work. Well, what if it was only half an hour whenever it worked for you? That would be great. The Read Along. It's a mini book club for your ears. Join my wife, Anita. And my husband, Scott. On a weekly journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at a time. time. Part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts can be found. Stay safe, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to an Epic Podcast production, a proud partner of the International Association of Emergency Managers Canada and member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. As always, Epic Podcasts are designed as a supplementary educational tool for the EM professional on the go, and the views and opinions explored during this podcast do not necessarily represent the agencies or organizations that we or our guests may be a part of. For more information about the show or the people on it, visit our website at epicpodcast.ca or follow us on Twitter at the username epic underscore underscore podcast. Stay tuned for more on the next episode of Epic Podcast, current, relevant, relevant, 